Belichick joins us. Uh, we're going to start with questions. We'll go to Mike Breeze, followed by Chris Ryan. Thanks, Stacy. Good morning, Bill. How are you? Good, Mike. How you doing? Doing great. Thinking um, September 11th at 1 o'clock. Um, not much more important than that as you guys transition. And you obviously can't predict the forecast, but you probably have a general idea of what it's going to be like at that time of year in that location in Miami. So with that in mind, um, how would you assess the condition of your team as you sort of transition to the uh, regular season opener? Uh, well, we've, we've certainly had a good opportunity to be in uh, some warm weather this year. Uh, it's been, I'd say this has been a, a little bit warmer than usual training camp and then time in Vegas. So we'll see. I think that's one of those things you don't really know until you you get in and play in it. It's different to train in it than actually play. So, um, you know, we'll see. Part of that is dependent upon the health of the team, the depth of the team. Um, and so we'll, we'll see how all that plays out. I think the players have worked hard. I think that they're generally in good condition. Um, but game conditioning is different than practice conditioning or running sprints or running up a hill or whatever. So I think we'll have to see that. There's an element of that for everyone to get into game condition. And um, I think you can certainly build that in practice. But a little bit different in the game. So, you know, I think that's to really be in, in real game condition probably takes, you know, through the month of September, maybe into October to, you know, go through the weekly soreness, the recovery, the, you know, playing again and so forth. Next question, Chris Ryan, followed by Dakota Rainbow. Morning, Bill. How are you? Good, Chris. How are we doing? about you know your concerns about consistency uh, execution and performance do you feel that you know that just at this time of year that's generally a problem with teams or is there anything you know abnormal about you know, this group as compared to previous groups in those areas well each team's different uh, so I, I don't think there's a a consistent theme from year to year players change and and um, circumstances change and so forth. So each, each year has its own unique um, aspects of that. But yeah, I think generally speaking that that's some, some parts of your team are further ahead than others uh, from the players to the experience of the players uh, working together. So players that have worked together over multiple years are from a communication standpoint and familiarity standpoint are generally speaking ahead of those who have had less time together. So that's, and that's again, true with every team, new players, there's a practice element, there's a preseason game element, but it's different in the regular season when teams are game planning for you and they're making um, adjustments and recognition and identification and, and, and clearly better players on the field, um, it's just making more a problem. So, yeah, there's some areas that we have pretty good experience at, and then there's other areas that we have less experience at that we'll gain as we go. And just on cuts, I mean, there's kind of that business side of things where people see it as being a very 
cut and dry, but for you personally as, as a head coach, do, do cuts weigh on you given what these guys have done over the last couple of weeks? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely, without a doubt. Um, everybody knows what the situation is when we go into it. We have 90 players. We go to 53. 37 of the 90 can't be on the team. Whichever 37 they are or aren't, that's another conversation. But 37 of the 90 can't make the 53-man roster. So, um, and and we all know that this is a production business, and it's it's very competitive. And when you join the National Football League, you know what that's going to be. You're one in 90. You have to earn a spot as one of the 53. Um, so there's no new rules, ground rules. There's no there's nothing new there. Um, the actual process is very uh, difficult for uh, all of us. Um, myself, uh, certainly assistant coaches who have established a, a close relationship with their players and respect for their players um, because of their effort, work ethic, uh, and commitment that they make to the team. But ultimately, 37 of those 90 players can't be with the team. So um, it's always difficult to talk to those players about the fact that they've done a lot, they've contributed a lot, they've worked hard, they've put a lot into it, but 37 of the 90, or now 27 of the 90, with the roster being at 80, are not are not going to be on the 53-man roster. So that that is difficult. It's it's difficult for the players. I'm sure all their family, friends, um, and so forth. You know, hear the news, contact them, and so forth like that. There's a, a hard part of dealing with that. Um, the flip side of that is. 53 players with a 16-man practice squad puts you at 69, so let's call it 70. Uh, so now there are, let's call it, 10 players that, again, players could come from other teams and so forth, but just in round numbers, the, the 27 really is a little closer to 10. It'll be more than 10, but a little closer to 10 than the 27 because those players... Um, potentially there'll be players that will be asked to be on the practice squad, which will enable them to continue their career and their development in the National Football League, just not on the 53-man roster. So that's a little bit of a bridge in the whole process. Um, I don't think any player would see that as good news, um, but it's not as bad as not being on the roster. So it's some, it's some kind of a bridge in between. Um, and, and honestly, for some players, practice squad is, is a realistic, um, goal for them. It, at the initial stage of the process, you know, at the 90, when they came to the team, whenever that was training camp or draft or spring or whenever that just being on the roster, being able to continue to develop their skills, knowing that they're not quite ready in the short run, but they have long-term potential. That's, that, that's realistic too. Uh, in some cases. So long answer to your question. Some players we have to move on from. Um, some players, there may be uh, an opportunity on the practice squad, not on the 53-man roster. And then, of course, all that is subject to the player's individual situation, whether he's a vested veteran and terminates as a free agent or whether he's subject to the waivers 
and um, and we'll see what happens on that on Wednesday with when the other teams respond to the waiver wire uh, with potential claims. So, but it's it's a difficult time for players, the head coach, and and I would say this position coaches and other members of the organization who have established you know relationships with the players through whatever. Uh, roles they have with trainers, equipment people, operations, and so forth. PR, you name it. Thanks. Next question, Dakota Randall, followed by Zach Cox. Hey, Bill. Uh, I, I know we always talk about Mac, but I wanted to ask about Bailey Zappi. What sort of growth did you see from him from OTAs to where we are now? Yeah, Bailey, uh, first of all, has, has been out there every day, which is a good thing. Uh, so he's taken, been able to take reps, um, learn from situations that he experienced, improve on those, get a better understanding and familiarity with the offense and also with what's going on on the defensive side of the ball. Um, he's improved in a lot of areas, um, still has a lot of things to work on and a lot of experience to gain, but certainly trending in the right direction. And... Um, as every quarterback who comes into the National Football League finds out, it's just a different game at this level. Um, the pass rushers are are, are better. Uh, the coverage players are faster. There's more man coverage generally than what they see in college. There's a lot more press coverage than what they would see in college. Uh, there's a lot more different blitz packages and protection issues than, than what they see in college. So um, those things are all... I would say big adjustments or more things that the quarterbacks have to have, have a high volume of um, issues to deal with. But those are really the, you know, the big ones, the multiplicity of coverages, the tightness of the coverage uh, and the pass rush slash blitz combinations. Um, and there's no substitute for experience. Uh, there's a lot of on the job learning there you know you can x and o it and put it on the blackboard and this coverage and this route and all but what you actually see on the field is a little bit different when a quarterback has to take everything into account the protection the pass rush the type of coverage that's being played and then the actual route that is being called thank you yeah sure next question zach cox followed by jim mcbride hey bill Similar question, uh, just curious how you'd evaluate the way Cole uh, has performed uh, in his first training camp and, and preseason. Obviously, he's had a, a pretty prominent role there uh, pretty much since day one. Um, similar similar comments, different position, but similar comments. Uh, Cole's been out there every day. He's taken a lot of, a lot of snaps, a lot of reps, which he needs, um, has learned from him, has improved fundamentally in, in a lot of areas, still has a ways to go. Um, again, is seeing a different level of player uh, than what he saw in college from a talent standpoint. Uh, in addition, there are more, more looks, more identification, more uh, things to, that defenses do to cause uh, the offense problems. And we've seen that in the preseason games from New York to Carolina uh, to Vegas and, and the practices against both Vegas and Carolina, the multiplicity of things that those teams did uh, more in practice than in the games, but uh, but some of it showed up in the games as well. So 
Uh, the wheels are turning uh, like they are for all rookies, and uh, Cole's done a, a you know a good job of again learning from situations, improving, improving his techniques, improving his fundamentals, improving his communication. Still a long way to go, um, but very much moving in the right direction. Jim. Uh, wanted to ask you about uh, Nick Folk and just uh, his consistency and his professionalism and, and what that's meant to you and your team. It's meant a lot, Jim. Uh, the the consistency from Nick uh, is is really remarkable. He's a very very professional player and athlete. Uh, not just the kicking part of it, but really everything. His interaction with his teammates, the specialists, other members of the team. Um, his understanding of, of his role, what the role in the kicking game is, uh, what the role of uh, different players are, and you know he's a very supportive uh, and likable teammate, but at the same time knows that his job hinges on performance, not you know being a it's not just relationships, but those are important. But but he he has all that, and his his production and consistent performance is really. Impressive. Um, his balls are are straight. They're down the middle, uh, and and the timing's good. Um, and, and if we've had, as as you know, out there, we've had a, a pretty decent amount of wind uh, for this time of year in, in training camp practices. And he's handled that extremely well. Uh, we'll see what we get in the stadium this year with kind of the new configuration down at the old lighthouse end. We we didn't have much. Um, wind in the Carolina or Giants preseason games, but at some point that'll change. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that, all that plays out. But but we have kicked in some windy conditions there in practice inside, and, and so that's something that's a little bit new for us um, and for particularly Nick. But as usual, he seems to be handling the situation very professionally and, and well. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Hey, Bob. Following up on Jim's theme about special teams, uh, you generally have had a really strong core of special teamers on your roster. And I was just curious, you know, as important as it's always been, special teams value in determining maybe the last handful of roster spots, if given you know, some of the circumstances of last year, uh, add more importance to the constitution of this year's roster. Just thinking of some games that included block punts and uncharacteristic you know, plays, Well, we're always looking to be as strong as as possible in every phase of the game. Offense, defense, special teams. Of course, a big part of special teams is the specialists. Um, those players are are key players on every play, whether it be the snapper, the holder, the punter, the kicker, or the returner, um, and the impact players that affect those units. So Matt Slater and coverage. Cody Davis and coverage, people like that, that are, are, that are, that's where it all starts. And then, then you obviously fill in after that, but you, you have to have those players, um, to, to work around, um, and that impact the game first. 
so always looking to perform well in those areas. Um, whatever did or didn't have happen last year uh, is we had plenty of good plays. We had some plays that, that weren't good that we'd like to have back. Um, but this year is really all about this year and, and the evaluation of the performances of our of the players that are competing for playing time or roster spots in those areas. So uh, we between the, the joint practices, the four joint practices that we've had, that's given us a lot of um, high tempo reps that we, in addition to the ones we got in the preseason games, that's helpful in the evaluations. Um, and as you know, a lot of the reps in the games where it was full speed, protection, coverage, tackling, blocking, running, whatever, uh, were handled by players with less experience in the kicking game for the New England Patriots. So gave us a good opportunity to evaluate those players and, um, and start to, well, not start, but to, to develop the process of each unit, uh, which, again, as you know, is, is 66 players. 11 in each of the, the four kicking units, not counting uh, the hands team and some other special situations, things like that. And then, of course, you have to have backups in those 66 spots uh, as well. So field goal, field goal block, punt, punt return, kickoff, kick return. So uh, you talk about a lot of people that are involved there. Certainly some people have multiple roles. Some of the um, impact special team players like uh, Matt Slater, as an example, would have uh, roles on five of the six teams. So one guy knocks out five of those 66 spots. Um, but then there are other players who only have one spot, whether that's one of the specialists or whether it's uh, another, another player who takes his offensive or defensive role and also subsidizes the roles in the kicking game that we need filled. So... Um, again, combination of players who are more, more, will get more playing time in the kicking game than they probably will on offense or defense, uh, with some players who are, um, let's call it backup players, uh, that'll be involved in the kicking game to players who will have a lot of offensive or defensive playing time that will also have some role in the kicking game as well. And that could vary from one phase to two or three phases, depending on the individual, the need, and what our injury situation is or, or how much depth we have at the position that they play. They might be called on to play a little more or less. So that's kind of where we are on that. It's a, it's a big conversation, uh, as we talked about in terms of numbers. It's There's a lot of people involved. Uh, somebody has to fill those roles. You have to put 66 people out there in each of those, um, each of those special teams units. And and back them up. And so that's part of the juggling act of a 46-man uh, roster of how to, how to do that on game day every week. Um, we'll all fall into a rhythm at a certain point in time where it's probably pretty established on who that's going to be. But I'd say at this point, that's, those questions are more up in the air than they will be you know, by, it's called mid-October, early November. Thanks, Bill. Okay. Yep. You're welcome. And uh, sorry, Andrew Callahan. Final question. Hey, good morning, Bill. Hey, Andrew. Um, looking at practice tomorrow and Thursday, how much 
I'm sure it'll be a combination of both. Uh, we'll discuss that today. Um, just the exact conversation that you brought up. We have two practices before we begin our Miami preparations in earnest. Not that we haven't started to look at Miami and talk about that, but as you said, there are still some things to uh, to clean up, and um, particularly as it relates to situational football. Um, we haven't dealt with any of those in preseason games with the players who are most likely going to be on the field for those. We have dealt with them in practice. We have practiced them against Carolina and Vegas to a degree, uh, but there's uh, certainly an opportunity to expand on those um, and utilize these two days as uh, part of our situation preparation as well as general cleanup on, in some areas that we need to uh, address as well as start to get a little bit ahead on Miami. I think we know some of the things that we're going to have to be dealing with there. And uh, sometimes it's good to, to run some plays just to get a look at what, rather than wait till next week when we're already into a game plan, get a look at some of those things on Wednesday and Thursday this week and, and maybe modify them or change them or throw them out or maybe add something else that complements it. Um, as we get a little little cleaner look at it in practice, so we're not just talking about diagrams on a piece of paper. We're actually seeing what the play looks like on the field against uh, a simulated Miami um, offense or defense, whatever it happens to be. So um, combination of all three. Thanks, Tom. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. All right. Thank you.